0: that's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18
0: plus. You're listening to Sister Radio. Okay, guys. Angela Luna is talking with us. And if that name doesn't mean anything to you, it's about to. Angela is the CEO and founder of Adif. You've probably seen the videos of her designs of jackets That convert into tents, sleeping bags, and reflective clothing. Her product line is going to help the Syrian refugee crisis. She's done TED Talks and is single handedly changing the fashion industry. Here we go. You're listening to Sister Radio. So, take two on my interview with Angela. Angela, thank you for being so cool. No worries. Thank you having me everybody listening I totally deleted the first interview interview and had an FML moment like no other <laughs> and so we're it doing the best of us. seriously and you know as an entrepreneur but I think you're probably more type a than I am so you probably wouldn't let that happen
1: <laughs> I don't know I don't know I've had I've I've had like disasters happen where I've been working on a project for hours and hours and hours and, hours and then my computer just crashes and I'm like oh my god I just need to watch
0: away okay that <laughs> so, makes me feel better it's
1: good that you're yeah that you're still on the ball you know you followed up again we're, we're doing this round too so that's good I probably would
0: have just like face palmed and then quit life for the rest of the day so that's all right well that was one of the things we talked about in the take one of the interview was like persevering determination exactly so that's what we're doing so angela you're an entrepreneur a designer an activist a speaker but what three words would you use to describe yourself
1: So I would definitely say um, passion, number one, um, just in terms of what I'm doing as a designer and, um, you know, being an entrepreneur as well, that's something that is really important for me, as well as determination. So basically never giving up, that kind of goes hand in hand with passion. And then lastly, I would consider myself a change maker, which I've been referred to a few times, so I think it's a really cool phrase, especially um, now with with our changing world.
0: Yeah, I've heard that phrase world changer used a lot more recently. And that definitely applies to you. Thanks. No, I I love it. And I'm adding humble because you are one of the most humble people I know. Thank you. (laughs) I try. No, I think it's really important to
1: be to be humble about everything you're doing. There's so many people in the fashion industry that just like ride on the accolades, and I have witnesses too at my school. But I think it's important just to you know realize realize what you're doing, and that you know success can come and it can go.
0: So um, just pretty mindful of that. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, that it can come and go and that keeps you kind of in a grounded place because then you're not rooted to totally. your you know, fame or notoriety. But it's interesting because yeah. we kind of are like... Actually, I wanted to talk to you about this, because we didn't say this in the last interview, but being a millennial, there is that -hmm. that kind of, like, shameless self-promotion that we do on social media as a generation. Yeah. But as a millennial, you've kind of done something else. You're, like, not like the rest of us. I know. That's why I'm, like, I can't handle when people, like, complain about millennials. I'm, like, there is no...
1: Like, I don't know, I am, I'm not an example of this at all, and I know several other people that are definitely, like, anti-millennial, but, like, are but we are millennials, but we're not, like, anything that anyone has been saying about our generation. So I'm like, people that hate on millennials, I don't know, I think they're just not a, they're not willing to get with the
0: time. Well, and that's just, like, probably a rite of passage of getting older, is you get to hate on the next yeah. generation. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's we'll we'll true. probably yeah. do it, too. But I think you're kids, right. Th- you young kids. <laughs> you whip a snap as Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But I think, like millennials, where, because really invention, which is everything that you're doing as you're inventing something, is born out of necessity. And so we've got all of these things that we see that need to happen. So some great invention and ingenuity is coming from us. And we're more open minded. We're more progressive as a generation. I agree, yeah. Well, so I wanted to ask you, you know, Something, going back to your humility, something that's kind of cool about you is you're Forbes top 30 under 30. You're only 23 years old. Just crazy Yep What is that? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm very young <laughs> Well, and then you've done TED Talks And like people who are sitting in on TED Talks Are like, it's a broad spectrum of age But I've seen the crowds I mean, they look like people who are maybe twice your age Maybe they've got different degrees mm-hmm. and So what is it like to be put in a position of influence And to be kind of up there with the best of them And put up there with the best of them What is that like for you?
1: Wow. Well, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure. I'm up there with the best of them. I know. Yeah, this is my humility coming back, or also my intense self-criticism. But um, yeah, I mean, it's very interesting because when I first went to Parsons, um, everyone was kind of like discussing the framework of how to become your own designer and how to how to be a successful, um, you know, entrepreneur. And so the, the, the framework they kind of Put out for us was you go to Parsons, you go work for a company for about twenty or thirty years, and then once you have enough experience, you go ahead and you launch your own company. And you know, I kind of had that in my head as like maybe this is the path to success. But then you know, um, with this project, there isn't really a time. There isn't like a like it's not like I have forever to do this. There is a time limit for you know. There's people dying every day um, who are refugees or displaced persons, and so you know they're really like I I have to act on this now because. This is something that's really um, important within our current culture and um, the whole world in general. So it wasn't like I could wait 30 years and then do this project. So, um, you know, I, I started my own company being right out of college, literally at graduation, like, emailing and doing all of that. And then I actually went back to Parsons to speak on an alumni event. And afterwards, I had people who were 30 years in the industry who were, like, in their 50s or 60s coming up to me and asking for me to give them advice on how to start their own company. So, like, I thought it was always really interesting how, you know, everyone always says, oh, when you're older, you understand. But then, like, you know, being 23 and starting something, you know, the people who are in their 30s or 60s and kind of starting out just the same still have no idea what to do. And, like, basically what I've learned is that no one knows what they're doing. Everyone just acts like they <laughs> know what they're doing, which is, which is very true. And, I mean, like, I think that's an important thing that I've learned as well is just, like, um, as long as you carry the confidence and you know what you want, and you um, are willing to work at it, you're going to get it. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting being the young person in the room. Usually, like being the literally like the, the ages of people's children when I'm trying to negotiate them, negotiate with them. But um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think there is not one path to success and not one path to starting a business.
0: Well, and I'm I'm thinking like there must be some ageism that you face, like as far as being in a boardroom or making executive decisions or getting investors.
1: I mean, I I have seen that, too, and I have also seen it kind of, like, almost on the sexism side of, you know, me being a woman first off and then, too, being 23 and just graduating, um, you know, from college. So, yeah, I've I've got, like, three things technically working against me, but, you know, it's, it's important to just like acknowledge where, where we're all going, acknowledge our generation and acknowledge the power that we have and what we bring to the table. And so, you know, it's easy. I've been able to combat that and, um, be able to stand up for myself in those situations.
0: Yeah. And just because you're up, going up against some of those things doesn't mean you just don't do it because of those reasons. You got to exactly. fight through. Yeah, no. You got to make the pay If ever says,
1: yeah, if anyone says like you can't do this, and the right answer is just to say, "Watch
0: me." <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's so good. Yeah. Well, so have you always been an activist? Like, did I picture you like this little kid setting up bake sales to raise funds for a good cause? Like, have you always been an so, activist?
1: <laughs> that's a really a question. Actually, I did do a lemonade sale for Hurricane Katrina when I was like, I don't know. Well, I don't know how old I was when that happened, but I was, you know, I. I heard things through my family and like I was always kind of I tried to care but like you know when you're when you're a teenager and things kind of um you know, the world revolves around you I guess at that age. You know, you take a shift. But you know, when I was when I was in like fifth grade I remember I wore a suit to class because I was trying to break the gender norms, I guess, at like when <laughs> I was like nine or ten. So yes. Yeah, I mean like it was always I wanted to be, like, a change maker, I guess, from a really young age. But, um, you know, I fell out of current events for a long time. I got my news through Facebook. I was deep in the fashion industry and had just purchased my, my first Chanel bag, which was ridiculous. But, you know, um, I kind of had I, – I was woke again, let's say, um, when the refugee crisis happened. And I uh, couldn't go back from that, so I knew I had to, had to do more and actually um, – you know, do the research about what was going on on the other side of the world.
0: What do you think, I mean, you really have kind of become a voice in, for the Syrian refugee crisis. What do you think um, it is about this specific issue that the world is facing that drew you to the cause?
1: I honestly don't know. I think, um, well, I mean, I had knew, knew what was going on, um, and I was kind of researching the Syrian civil war um, in the Arab Spring when that was, kind of occurring, but, like, then um, when the refugee crisis happened as, um, you know, as an effect of that, it was, it was honestly just, like, the unfairness of it all. Like, I remember seeing the picture of alon Kurdi and, like, literally just having my heart completely break and being, like, this kid did nothing, none, none of these people have done anything, why is it that they're being put through this situation? It just, it just seemed really unfair to me and, like, a major injustice in our world, and, um, the fact that they were being treated like criminals didn't really make sense at all. So, um, I don't know. I think that was probably just, you know, one of the first issues that, that caused me to wake up. And um, now, too, it's like there's, there's a thousand other things that I'm incredibly passionate about. But, you know, this is kind of where I'm at right now, and this is what I'm going to focus on. But, yeah, I think it was just, you know, it started with that picture, and then um, this went from there. I don't know. I just,
0: I, I can't I can't stand to witness injustice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it. The thing, one of the things you talk about in your your videos is how it would be that soundbite or that news clip, and then just go into something that's just non essential or exactly. not important. And it, it is a very strange way that we culturally watch the news and how we mm-hmm. th- how that affects us. Even that we would go like from mm-hmm. consumer ad this, and then tragedy and heartbreak. Mm-hmm. But if it sounds like. Something that has been, um, like, a major part of your passion is that sense of injustice. Do you feel, or actually, I wanted to ask you, what about um, being at the refugee camps? Can you just share, like, a little bit about what that was like and some of the things you saw? Like, I know you do a great job of sharing that on um, your, your, your TED Talk, or I'm trying to think of the other one that you did that you talk about it so well, but... I'm totally blanking, darn it, but um, no, okay. no <laughs> yeah, what, what was that like for you, being in that refugee camps?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, I had conducted the majority of my research from the U.S. because I didn't have the right contacts in order to visit the camp, so it took me around a year from developing the project and then reaching out to finally get the right connection so that I could visit the camps and do testing as well as, um, you know, do some volunteer donations um, with the company I was going with, but... Yeah, um, it was it was very emotional. It was a uh, completely heartbreaking experience. But, like, it, in a way, it was like I kind of knew going in what I was getting into, having done all the research. But it, it's a completely different thing to be physically in a camp with these people than to be kind of hiding behind a screen where, you know, you're not there. You're not physically interacting with them. You're not, you know, sharing breakfast with them or doing um And it's just, like, basically daily life. And um, it was was incredibly emotional. Some of the stories or, like, things that we had seen and heard um, were very heartbreaking, and I still remember them to this day. But, um, yeah, something that I found very interesting, which I guess should have come, like, uh, automatically or been a no-brainer, was just how different every single refugee camp was. I guess when I was going over, I expected them to all be run by the government or run by um, UNHCR or the IRC. But in Greece, uh, I know this is different in different countries, basically, like, everything is so unorganized and nothing is really together at all, like, um, the UNHCR and IRC came in to set up the camps, but no one from um, their organizations are running them, or um, the government, run, like, runs a few camps, but then there's, like, a hundred others that are just run by the refugees that are actually living there, and so it was kind of, like, snowflakes, like, no, no refugee camp was the same or even similar at all to the one next door to the other, so, um, yeah, it was, they all varied in conditions, but, like, overall, um everything was you know subpar living conditions like there were there were some that were nicer but like completely in general and, and speaking in totality like no one would ever want to to live in this, these um, places for at all or, i mean even for like a week or let alone months or years
0: well when you think about people in that kind of environment it's easy to think of it as being a place where it like breeds Desperation and that can cause violence. Completely. And is yeah. that what is that like the atmosphere there? Like, can you sense that there's that those things going on that it is dangerous and that people are kind of in a, a desperate state or what? How what can you? Yeah, about? I mean.
1: You can definitely tell that people are depressed. Um, Something that I thought was really interesting to think about, um, and I think I heard this at a a panel where people were discussing, you know, refugee resettlement. Um, In the refugee camps, like, people are kind of either looking to the past or looking to the future. Like, either they're kind of dwelling on um, what has happened to them in their previous country, which, of course, makes sense. I would would still be haunted by those memories. Or, um, you know, they're looking to the future. They're trying to plan their life, um, you know, Most like most likely in Germany, which is where most of them are going, or um, other all these other countries. But like you know, it's really hard to be in the present. I think no one wants to be in the present. No one wants to think that this is somewhere that they're going to be stuck for for they don't even know how long. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of it's you're in like a weird limbo. Like you're not quite out of your your previous situation, and you're not quite onto this new life. But you're stuck in this environment, and you're not even mentally there. So um, it was really disheartening but something that I did notice too um at one of the camps uh on Lesbos instead of just like normal trees there were all of these olive trees um all of these olives yeah um tons of olive trees and what I thought was so interesting was that um like the resilience of everyone that was living there So like these moms and these um all these women were just like collecting olives every day and making these um oils and preserves from them in order to make their food taste a little bit better. And I'm like, wow, that kind of resourcefulness and, um, like, adaptability in order to, like, interact with your environment in a way to improve your life um, in a way that, like, wasn't, wouldn't really be predicted, wasn't really thought about probably by the by the people who set up the camp. But, yeah, I mean, I think, like, while, while it is easy to get incredibly depressed, um, you know, I did witness a lot of people that have um, a, a tremendous amount of hope and a lot of resourcefulness to make the situation just a
0: little bit better. That's encouraging to hear. I mean, I like we were saying before, like necessity really is the mother of invention. And so uh-huh. it's cool to see that people are able to at least, I don't know, uh-huh. I have a sense of moving forward some of them. And I think that's yeah. something you do with your product line and with a diff is you've created a sense of hope. In what who you are and what you're doing. So I want to talk a little bit about your product because everyone can go see What it looks like you've got to go see what it looks like the TED talks and um, And oh, yeah. yeah, so the the other video that I was thinking of was the positive economy forum because that was really good mm-hmm. So watch that one too yeah. and you can see you you so basically the jacket um, that you had set up was the tent, and so you took it down from the, from it being in its tent form, like, under a minute, or about a minute, you took it down? (laughs) Yeah,
1: um, it's, like, it's pretty easy to get up and down, the only, um, kind of issues that people would have is just, like, dealing with the poles, because, um, you know, they can detach, like, they just, like, you know, how difficult tent poles can be, but we're redesigning it, too, so that way there won't be any poles, but yeah, so, um, it's pretty quick to like. I I have set it up um, in like less than five minutes, and I can take it down in about two minutes. But um, yeah, it's it's really easy to set up and down. Um, I've had uh, people at the refugee camp too uh, practice setting it up um, on their own, and they had a blast with it.
0: Well, and something um, that's pretty cool is you're doing something new in the fashion industry. So you're being conscious and you wanting to create a human humanitarian brand and so I wanted to ask you what has it been like within the fashion industry I know you had mentioned that um you've had some experience instead where it was like the humanitarian side that you got more criticism for than the fashion side but how has the fashion industry supported you and um helped you and how has it not
1: Yeah, I mean, while I do criticize the fashion industry a lot, um, I was kind of surprised to see just how willing um, all of these kind of industry leaders are to, uh, you know, embrace this new future for the industry itself, so... Um, I feel like most designers out there, they they want to see something like this, whether or not they act on it or whether or not they do it themselves is another story. But, you know, they they want to see a positive change in the the industry and they want to see fashion be able to help people because I think this is something that all of us have underlying is like, um, I feel like as a fashion designer, when you kind of introduce yourself as a fashion designer, it kind of comes with this uh, idea that, you know, while what you're doing is super cool, it, it doesn't really measure up on a global scale. So I think, um, like, as a community, uh, the fashion industry is interested in seeing, you know, what could be done to remedy this or um, how fashion could have a larger impact. But, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been amazing. I've met with some high-profile designers, and, you know, they've, like, been incredibly supportive and only had praise say about the collection. So um, it's been amazing because I, when I first designed everything, I had no idea how people would react. I had no idea um, whether or not it would go over well in fashion, just because something like this has never before been done. So um, yeah, it was it was a very pleasant surprise to see how on board everyone and how supportive everyone has
0: been. Yeah, and there's room to to grow, of course, in the fashion industry. But I think that's like why you're there. You're you're there to help yeah. <laughs> shift the perspective exactly. and make it grow. Yeah, and but I I think it's interesting if you want to speak to a little bit about the resistance from the humanitarian side. What were some of the things that were being brought up as far as your effectiveness or or whatever it was that they were complaining about or criticizing? Yeah.
1: Um, So, I feel like with the humanitarian side, it's kind of like people who have spent their entire lives, you know, focusing on the best systems to set up um, in, like, these different communities and different areas. And, like, here comes this girl with her fashion degree trying to make a difference in this kind of environment. So, I think it was definitely something new. Um, When it was just a project, it was a little bit um, more critical just because we didn't have have anything in, in progress. We didn't have production. We weren't planning on doing any donations as of yet. But now... That we have, you know, we're going to be donating 460 jackets to refugee camps uh, this September. So now that we kind of have somewhat of an impact actually happening, um, it's lessened us a little bit. But um, I think, like with with these organizations like with humanitarian organizations, what they're looking for is to make sure that. Um, people are being affected in a positive way and um, we're not creating like a system of attendance and things like that. So I'm taking note of all their criticisms too and trying to include that in our uh, business plan. So now we are also looking to um, run a few pilots hopefully this year to see if we can hire uh, resale refugee populations in the U.S. or homeless populations in the U.S. to kind of provide job opportunities for them um, and either make some uh, of the products that we're going to be selling or donating or um, maybe just making some details that would be included in in some of the products. Uh, That way, you know, the narrative is still in there and we're uh, also helping people in addition to just donating products. So, yeah, but... um, It was awesome being at the Positive positive Economy Forum in France because that was a major humanitarian kind of conference, and to be there and to be taken seriously as this new social um, entrepreneurship company was was totally amazing.
0: That's so cool. Uh, Yeah, that was actually um, one of my favorite things that I I saw that you did just because, uh, you know, I feel like... I don't know, you're 23, you've got all of these amazing things that you're doing within your business, and you're really like a one-man band, and you're kind of pulling it all together. Exactly. And it was just like an inspiring moment. I'm the janitor, I'm I'm the creative director,
1: I'm the CFO, I'm the CEO, I'm like the
0: The assistant that goes and grabs the coffee—it's—it's surely a, coffee. it's, it's a one man show. <laughs> yeah, for now at least, because this thing is gonna just blossom. I know it. Here's hoping. Well, so tell me a little bit um, about being a woman in in business. What have been some of your greatest successes, and just some of your great your biggest struggles as far as being a woman in business, and any insight you might want to give to a young woman yeah. who has an idea that she wants to have a business. So, well, yeah, speak
1: to that. I would say, I mean, like, current struggle right now is just finding funding. And um, actually, I was told the statistic recently that uh, women entrepreneurs typically have more of a difficult time finding funding than men. I think that's also why there are a few VC firms that are now, um, or grant programs that are now being established to kind of support women entrepreneurs. So that's been... That is and has been my, my biggest struggle so far. But, um, you know, being a woman in business, it's important to realize, um, you know, like harness your power. And I think in some ways to kind of not give in to the men of the room. So um, this is something that I'm always aware of and I find myself doing and I'm trying to, to fix right now is, I'm always like the person who feels like they need, to, they need to talk when there's a when there's a silence because I want to make everyone else feel comfortable. Like I'm, I'm someone who's typically not very comfortable with silence, and so I've noticed that men seem to use their silences more strategically and more intentionally. And so um, I feel like it puts you in a position of not not being in power when you're the one who's who's constantly talking. You're trying to fill the void. So now I'm trying to be more conscious of that. And, um, you know, especially with negotiating and things like that, when someone else is being silent, I'm like, okay, you know what? I don't have to talk right now. I'm going to, I don't have anything to say. I'm just going to be quiet until I, until you, um, either fix your offer or do something else and try to leverage that accordingly. But, um, yeah, I mean, being a woman in business, it's difficult and, it's definitely a man's world right now but um honestly i think that the world is going to be a much better place when there's more women in power
0: yes okay okay yes. like yeah. seriously we need to get on that <laughs> well i really like that um you're talking about using like silence almost as a weapon so to speak in the business silence in the is business a great weapon i never even thought but about really. that but that's so true have you ever seen the wolf of wall street Yes, yes. That's I like am. one of the things that he says, right? He's like, the first person to talk loses, basically. Exactly, I'm sure there was an F bomb exactly, thrown yeah. in there, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wow. But yeah, no, it's it's important and it's um you
1: know, I think it silence is power in a way. So um and I'm always like this bubbly person who's always talking. So yeah, I'm learning that and I think um it's important for women to learn that
0: too. It's really good. I really like that. Well, so what do you want to be known for? Like, you're a businesswoman, and, you know, you're somebody who's blazing a trail. What are some of the things that you've thought, that's what I want to be known for, that's what I want my legacy to be?
1: So I really want to make a positive impact in the world in any broad sense, Um, but, you know, specifically now choosing my my path in fashion and um, having this humanitarian component as well. You know, I would love to be known as a person who changed the way that we thought about clothes or changed the system or, um, you know, brought about a new kind of revolution of designers and a new revolution of the industry that um, hopefully we'll see in the future. But, yeah, I mean, like, ultimately, I just want to have a positive effect, one, on the fashion industry and, two, on global displacement as a
0: whole. Yeah, that goes back to, like, those three words when you were saying, like, a world exactly. changer. Yeah, you'll be known for that for sure. You're already known for that. <laughs> Thanks, I know. That's what
1: I, That's what I'm trying, trying to to create positive
0: change. Yes, and so something that I was wondering was, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given or a piece of advice that you kind of live by, Um it doesn't have to be for, like, women in business, but just something you live by. Yeah. So, actually, um, I was thinking about this in the time between
1: our, our first interview and, and this one now, but um, I honestly, like, something, and I and I don't always follow this, but something I think is really important, especially um, being, you know, a woman in business, as well as just being, like, a human being, is to go, just to go with your gut. Like, um, I have had a few relationships, like, relationships with people that, um, you know, I I thought would move forward um, in terms of like business collaboration. But like, you know, when I first met them, I was like, I don't know, something seems a little bit off. But I was like, my my brain rationalized it. And I was like, well, I'm gonna go ahead and see what happens anyway. And in the end, um, you know, they ended up being like, probably some of the worst people I've ever worked with. So um, yeah, I would say Trust your instincts and go with your gut because first impressions, well, um, you know, you shouldn't always, like, judge a book by its cover, but first impressions usually are correct. And, um, yeah, just to stick to that. Even if it seems like you're passing up an opportunity, it's better to say no to things um, than to be kind of ruined in the end.
0: Mm. Yeah, trust in that gut, man. Because it's hard. Like, as a woman, you, like, totally second-guess yourself all the time. completely. So I'm like, yeah, yes. and I'm
1: like, Oh, maybe, maybe I said something weird. And that's why they kind of reacted weird. Or maybe this, I don't know, like, you know, you try to rationalize it. But it's like, you know what, no, if, if you feel a certain way about someone, and, you know, you really want to work with them, but they kind of make you uncomfortable, then no, just cut it, cut it loose. It's not worth going down the path.
0: Yeah, trust your gut. What do you think about risk taking? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on taking risks?
1: Like, so my entire entire company is basically built on a risk, but, like, I am someone, I hate risks, like, but, like, that's the only way that things get done, so, um, you know, something that I think is really interesting is that, like, every day you should be challenged and you should be in kind of outside of your comfort zone, because that's the only, that's the only way that you'll do anything spectacular, like, no one ever writes a story or writes a book about that time they did everything that they usually do. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm like, a type A personality, so, uh, like, I, I don't really like taking risks, but I'll do them anyway, but, I mean, I feel like it's completely necessary. If you want to do something uh, special or be unique or to make an impact at all, you're going to have to take a risk, and it's going to be incredibly terrifying. Like, I'm probably scared, like, every day of my life, <laughs> but... Um, that's when the magic happens. That's really when the magic happens. So I think it's I think it's worth it. Just just know that going in that it's going to be scary, but you'll get through it.
0: Yes, good. I always say it's like um, constantly f- having to jump out of an airplane and hoping your shoe opens, exactly. but it always opens. Oh it always opens. It will always open. Yeah, it's like you worry about so much stuff too. And I mean, like I'm a very anxious
1: person. I worry about things that aren't even problems. But lately, I've just kind of been like, well. You know what? Every other time that I've been worried about something, it's worked out in the end. So I'm not even going to worry about this. Like, with the Kickstarter, actually, um, we only had, like, two weeks left before it was ending, and we were at, like, 16000 and our goal was 60000 And everyone was coming up to me, like, what's your plan B? Are you freaking out? And I'm like, "No, nope, It's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. I'm just not going to worry about it. And then it happened in the end. So... Yeah, everything's gonna work out. That's
0: that's my that's what I live by. Just everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay, and you do have a good support system, which kind of leads me into exactly. my my next question. I know you've got good support with your your parents. I know you said we're saying that your mom is um, a major supporter for you and has been there for you. But what about sisterhood? What does being a sister mean to you?
1: So, um, to me, it means basically treating everyone like family, just kind of on a broad sense, but also, um, you know, just being there through the good and the bad, you know, my friends, um, that live in New York with me, they're completely my sisters. Like they're the ones who are in all of the photo shoots of my collection. Basically like they're, they're the famous ones too, because they're the, they're the faces of everything. And, you know, I can call them anytime. Um, and they're they're willing to help, and anytime they call me, I'm willing to help. So it's just kind of like always being there, um, and you know, and a lot of times putting putting them first, and you know, doing whatever is needed on, from you because that's what that's what family that's what family does.
0: That, that's so cool. I didn't know that they were your friends were the ones who yeah. were in the collection in those pictures. Literally
1: every single person, every single person in any of the pictures are like my close friends. There. Or, um, like, roommates or, or sisters from New York, basically. So yeah, I love um, everyone Everyone is,
0: like, basically um, one of my closest friends. Oh, that is so cool. See, that's, but that's, like, so important, I think, too, in business is including people who you support and people who support Absolutely.
1: you. Absolutely. I mean, everyone always says like not to get into business with your friends, but I feel like um, you know, like you sh- as a friend, you should support your other friends. Like one of my um, close friends is a photographer, and I always have her shoot all my stuff, and I try to loop her into things, and she tries to loop me into things. So it's like, you know, I think it's I think it's important to work with your friends, and I think it's important to support each other. It's and so that's cool. Like, that's the that's the best way you guys can get something done.
0: Yes, yes, women supporting other women get stuff done. Yes. Okay, yes. I have, a, like, a really fun question I wanted to ask, because I'm curious what your answer would be, but, um, if you were a superhero, what would your oh superpower God. be? Oh, my God. Um,
1: wow. I don't know. I don't know if teleportation counts as a superpower, But, um,
0: yeah, it does.
1: I would so I would be like all over that because I spend so much of my life traveling and I think it would be just so much easier. And if I could just like get from like A to B super fast, that's what I would do. So, yeah, teleportation
0: definitely. Yeah, okay, that's pretty cool. I like that. All right, I wanted to do a little bit of word association with you just for okay, yeah, because I'm curious what will come from this too. Okay. so when I say the word, just the first thing that comes to your mind, a thought or another word, whatever it is, love. All right. Everyone. Fashion. System. Change. The world. Create. I was going to say change, but... No, <laughs> I mean,
1: that's, that's cool. okay. Yeah, I was going like, say create change, yeah.
0: Women. Empowerment. Refugee. Welcome. Yeah. That was yeah. awesome. It's so good. Well, so everybody listening, obviously throughout this show, I've been saying go watch the TED Talk. Go and watch the Positive Economy Forum and um, they can find out. Find, follow um, a diff I'm like just mumbling my words holy crap okay. it's all right everyone yeah, I swear yeah. it's fine so but uh, yeah. um a diff.com
1: it's a-d-i-f-f.com that's where we have the TED talk as well as the positive positive economy forum linked and our social media is on there too but otherwise Facebook it's a diff startup and then Instagram and Twitter it's a diff brand so Yeah, follow us there, and we'll be posting all of our updates once we have the 10 jackets available for purchase, too. You guys can get in on that, so, yeah, follow us
0: on all of our social meetings. Yeah, those jackets are amazing. I mean, just, like, I know, obviously, they're, like, for the Syrian refugee crisis, the refugee crisis, and for homeless people, Uh but they're so well-designed. I just see them, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see that on the runway, for sure.
1: Exactly. I mean, and it has been on the runway too, but I think it's important, like with these jackets, to have everything incredibly functional. But, you know, of course, I have my background in easy wear, and I have my background with Parsons, so. It's, it's impossible for me to make something that isn't beautiful, I guess. Like, I have yeah. to have some attention to aesthetics and things like that. So, yeah,
0: um, but thanks. I appreciate that. Well, even though everyone missed out on, you know, little conversations about Colin Farrell, etc., I think that oh, yes. <laughs> everyone's going to walk away knowing more about you, feeling inspired. And if somebody is listening to this and they want to invest, um, yeah, go again, go to the website com. And so thank you yeah, again. Angela. Hit me up. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. That's this is so fun. To to you. We love you on Sister Radio. You're welcome back anytime. Thank you guys. You've been listening to Sister Radio. Thanks again, Angela, for coming on the show. And we hope you all feel inspired, ready to blow up some boxes and take on the world. We love y'all. Sister Radio.